0: Welcome to Turning Conscience into Action, the Earth Charter podcast. Join Miriam Vilela, Earth Charter International Executive Director, in her fascinating conversations with great thinkers, scholars and activists from around the world who are working in the fields of sustainability, ethics, education and social transformation. Our purpose is to generate new insights on how to face current global challenges and inspire informed action. Today we are going to have a conversation with Gus Speth, who is the founder and former president of the World Resources Institute, WRI. He was also co-founder of the Natural Resources Defense Council (NRDC) and senior advisor to President Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton. Gus Speth served as administrator of the United Nations Development Program, UNDP, and was Dean of the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies at Yale University. I must say that I have uh, made good use of your books, Gus, for myself and many of the courses that I have taught over the years. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Well, Beren, it's glad to be with you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yes. So, uh, I would like to start with a question because I have been following some of your speeches and and writings and uh, you have been making strong arguments on the need to promote a transformation in consciousness in American culture. Could you share with us what do you mean by that and why? Why do you talk so much about transformation of consciousness?
1: Well, I think we are, uh, in in the U S and in maybe many other countries, uh, uh, countries that I got very familiar with when I was in the United Nations, uh, we're beset with a set of values, uh, and, and habits of thought, uh, that really don't reflect today's needs. They may have been appropriate for some earlier time, uh, uh, and, but they're, they're not appropriate, uh, today. Uh, we think about rugged individualism as being, uh, for example, uh, something to be prized and people talk about rugged individualism in the U S, but it really is a, uh, a great burden today for things to be so much, uh, premised on, uh, a, an individualist approach rather than a communal approach. And rather than a common approach and a whole approach that links us all together individualism is a bad value for today's needs uh, we uh probably we, it us- has
0: been always a bad value but predominant
1: yes and uh the uh then we uh we think about um uh ourselves all the time as as the dominant uh, species uh on the planet as the the, the top of the, the pyramid as and and that everything else is inferior uh, to us and uh, this anthropocentrism makes us uh, uh, neglect the our, our role as uh, part of the natural systems and 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 our close kinship to, to wild things and uh, and and we, we need to uh, get beyond this anthropocentrism which always says that you know, we're number one, and we can do what we want to do, and we can appropriate as much nature as we want to appropriate, and in the process, destroy an awful lot. And um, another bad habit of thought that we have now and, and, uh, is what, what you could call contempocentrism, which is to put everything uh, in the contemporary context and not think about the longer run. And that's also killing us with the climate issue and the loss of biodiversity and other problems. Um, and I could go on like this, but there are a larger set of issues, our materialism, our consumerism, our tribalism. Uh, these are all old values that uh, that no longer make sense today. And so we need a new consciousness, the new habits of thought, uh, and it needs to be Uh, a a more spiritual approach to, to the world and a more integrated, holistic approach in connecting with other life and and non-life and, uh, and beauty. And there are so many, um, great things that, uh, are possible, um, but we need to slow down and enjoy them really. Uh, and, uh, take advantage of the, uh, of the great things that, that are possible. I, um, and, and focus on the non-material uh, things of life. So these are, that's the change that I see as necessary. And as I see it, that's the change that uh, that the Earth Charter was advocating uh, as well. And for that reason, I've uh, quoted at length from the Earth Charter in, in two of my books, uh, and uh, was really, um, uh, really delighted to, to learn more about what the, uh, what you've been doing, and and the this 20th anniversary of the Earth Charter that we're now experiencing.
0: Yes, indeed, uh, the whole worldview that is uh, articulated in their Charter is an invitation for us to move away from uh, materialism and uh, if too much focus on individualism. Now, um, I'd like uh, to ask you to talk about your book that you a book that you published in 2004, that uh, is called The Red Sky at Morning, America and the Global Crisis of Environment. Uh, Because in that book, you explain why current approaches to critical global environment problems were not working. And you then provided eight linked steps, or you call them transitions, eight transitions to help us move towards uh, sustainable future. Could you comment on what are those um, eight steps that you mentioned and identify in that book?
1: Sure. I uh, I call it the eightfold way. Uh, sometimes uh, and I think the um, it it uh, these are not in any order of importance. Uh, they, in fact, the most important one might be the last one that I mentioned. Uh, I mean, obviously, we need to f- uh, worry. And and do more than we do uh, ab- about um, the large numbers of people on the planet. Uh, we have um, uh, we know a lot about how to support mothers and families uh, to allow them to reduce fertility rates, but uh, the earlier projections that we were working with uh, have been far exceeded in terms of. Uh, uh, global population growth. And there's, uh, that's, and then another thing is, um, is the need to, uh, you know, we need to get very serious about world poverty. I, I think with all the efforts that have been going on, uh, we still uh, are, are not succeeding and we don't have enough of the right tools being deployed, uh, being made available uh, to, to really help. And, and if we expect on some of these global issues like climate to have the cooperation of much of the developing world, well, they need to feel a lot more secure that we are cooperating with them on their priorities, which are, you know, which are sustainable development and poverty reduction and uh, sustainable livelihoods. Um, the third area is, um, you know, is is deep technological change. There are It's technology- happening
0: so much, no?
1: Yes, it's, it's happening
0: it's, so much and so fast. The technological change. So what's it, the issue it is there?
1: It's finally happening fast. I mean, for, when I wrote this book uh, a while ago, uh, it was some things were beginning, but but things like renewable energy have really taken off uh, now, and I suspect we're beginning to see a, a huge boomlet in uh, electric automobiles, for example, electric transportation generally, um, but across a huge front of uh, of all types of activities, including agriculture. We shouldn't forget that. You know, there are major technological opportunities. You could think of them as technological or just techniques in in agriculture, but- uh, As long as they
0: are benign technologies in agriculture.
1: There are, Mm -hmm. and uh, we need to get serious about it. And and then I think another area is in this, what I call environmentally honest uh, prices. Uh, we are now deeply subsidizing so many bad activities, uh, in, in part, direct subsidies as we subsidizing energy in the United States, uh, fossil fuels in the United States, but we also have these indirect subsidies where companies are allowed to dump their waste products and their pollution into the environment. Uh, so they get a free place to put their waste. Uh, unfortunately we are on the receiving end of it. And, uh, so the prices, uh, ought to reflect the full cost of production, whether they're now in the market uh, or or not. And we know how to do that uh, with economic tools.
0: That's the principle of uh, incorporating the environmental costs and the real costs of products, environment and social costs.
1: Exactly, social too. We shouldn't uh, shouldn't forget that, because often we environmentalists do forget that. Um, I think the... uh, Another area of, uh, of, of the eight is, is, is consumption. Uh, it, you know, we have a lot of superficial change in the area of consumption where people look for green products or, or, or try not to uh, use uh, plastic bags. And these things are important. I don't uh, deny that they are important, but we need also to think about the aggregate amount of consumption and, and our commitment to forever growing it every year, and, and doing, you know, shop till we drop and seeing consumerism is, you know, is a false, a uh, false uh, premise. You, you know, we think we can meet our deep needs by, you know, non-material needs by purchasing material things. And people uh, do that all the time, every day. And it's just totally out of control. It fuels, uh, uh, you know, growth that is uh, destroying the environment we need to find a way to, to have sustainable livelihoods to meet people's real needs and uh, provide real opportunities without this uh, endless commitment to, to growth
0: Well it's because uh, probably we have this mindset that has been fed into our worldview that we need to consume to be happy
1: exactly and uh, and, and you know and, and then we measure this growth with, uh, with, with a measurement GDP, which is, does not reflect, uh, uh, real opportunity for people. Uh, and, um, you know, we've had a lot of GDP growth, for example, in the United States and people's conditions have actually deteriorated. Uh, so, you know, part of this sustainable consumption idea is, is having good measures of progress and, and getting beyond the traditional GDP measure. Um, I think another dimension, of course, is the one that you you work in uh, directly, and that is knowledge and learning. Obviously, the the more informed uh, people are uh, and the more they understand the world and other people and other cultures, uh, and particularly the more they understand science, uh, the uh, better decisions are going to be. And uh, so when you have some... One like our present, like the administration of of President Trump in the United States, that is so dismissive of science, whether it's uh, uh, you know pandemic disease or uh, or climate change, this dismissive of the of the science. Well, you don't expect to get good policies then and move towards sustainability. Another dimension is is governance. and, uh, we, we, uh, in, and in the book that you mentioned, I was reflecting there on uh, in, the, in this book, mostly about international governance. So the focus was global environmental governance and how do we achieve it? And part of that is that we, we have a very inadequate system of reaching international agreements now. We have forged these huge treaties which are not really working very well. Uh, witness the climate treaty, biodiversity treaty, not working well. Very few of them. Uh, uh, you know, some would say only one of the major ones is the ozone depletion agreement is working well. So we we don't know, and uh, we aren't applying the best learning and the best understanding to reaching uh, international agreements and. Uh, and I think there are tools that we know of, and I made a lot of recommendations in the book that you mentioned for improving the treaty process. Part of it is to do something which we have neglected badly to do. Um, we have major international institutions that work to govern commerce around the world. We have a major international agency that works on intellectual property rights. We have one that protects our aircraft from, uh, in the, uh, internationally, uh, international flights, uh, you know, one that deals with telecommunications, uh, and one that deals with trade, uh, major international institutions. And, and the, what we've created for the environment internationally is just a pale reflection of the influence that these other types of institutions that deal with the economic issues have.
0: Interesting enough, the environment organization have less strength, less, uh, less power than these other organizations you have mentioned. However, environment is uh, crucial to the livelihoods and well-being of people from all over the world.
1: Well, as you were saying, you would think that in the, in the best of all worlds, uh, we would have one of the most powerful international agencies would be out there fighting for the global environment. And and to and supporting countries in their environmental work, uh, and we don't. We have UNEP, and UNEP is a fine agency uh, with some very very good people and and a good track record in some areas. But it is a it's a little peanut of an agency compared with say the World Health Organization, or uh, World Meteorological Organization. So it it really uh, I commend them for what they they do but it's not up to the job. And I suspect they'd be the first to admit that they are not up to this pr- problem that we have now with global environmental deterioration. Um, and then, you know, uh, we talked a minute ago about the need for a, a, a spiritual transformation, a transformation in consciousness uh, where we begin to see the world anew and, uh, and, and differently. And uh, that is the last uh, transition of, of the eight. And it's a transition in, in, in culture and consciousness um, and along the dimensions that I embraced before uh, when we started out. And I think, um, you know, one of the critical issues for people to, to, we have to address is, well, people say, well, cultural change, value shift, these are great, That's what we need, but it takes a long time, and we don't know how to do it uh, because, you know, it's very complicated, and and we just have to work on other things. And one of the points that that I make uh, a lot is that, no, that's not right. Uh, We know a lot about how culture changes. We know a lot about how values change and how we can help promote those processes now. Um, so I don't think we can wait on values to change uh, in order to start moving on a bunch of issues, uh, which we need to—we've got to go with what we've got to some degree, for example. But I also don't think we're going to get very far in addressing these great global environmental challenges and social challenges. We won't get very far unless values are changing along with the, uh, you know, uh, pro- policy changes, for example. The two will drive and reinforce uh, each other. And- um,
0: Absolutely, a, in your book you say, or you you affirm that this is the most fundamental transition of all, is a transition of culture and consciousness. How do you think this can take place?
1: Well, that's, that is the, the question. And I did try to look at that. And uh, I, I asked a bunch of, uh, of social psychologists, I said, well, what would lead to a, uh, a kind of a cultural transformation, uh, and and one answer that came back very frequently: well, a crisis. Crisis can drive deep rethinking. Crises can delegitimize the current system, for example, or delegitimize a government, and uh, and 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 make people think about an alternative, and um, and become more aware. So it's a sad thing but uh you know to some degree uh i think we the world's big changes are going to be crisis driven i wish it weren't true but it's already happening on climate we, we see the climate changes causing crises around the world now and we see people finally uh beginning to take it more seriously um, so there was a uh, another Another critical dimension of, of, of driving a value change is leadership. If we have wise leadership and people, uh, you know, uh, talking uh, consistently and, and demonstrating the new values in their lives, it doesn't do for leaders to go out and preach one thing and then do another. It just discredits them. So they have to be real genuine about it. Uh, but leadership is so important. Good,
0: and, um, le- good ethical leadership,
1: ethical consciousness leadership, leadership, honest leadership. Um, related to leadership is that leaders can help tell a new story, a new narrative. And uh, we need uh, we need a new story. The uh, old story um, about uh, you know growth is good uh, always. American exceptionalism in our case that uh, oh we are so great. Uh, that the best way to happiness is, is to uh, consume more and that happiness uh, cons- consumerism fulfills our needs. These are all the old, the old myths, but we need a new story about a new national purpose, a new international purposes. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a friend who's working now to build a, a movement of, um, of global citizenship uh and you know and 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 develop the idea uh that we have um that there ought to be an international declaration of of, of human duties to Absolutely. go with the declaration of, of human rights which... well the
0: reality is that we are all part of uh, not only the country where we were born but we're also part of the planet we were born on this single unique Planet Earth that we come from, and as we have human rights, we also have uh, duties and responsibilities to care for the planet. And therefore, it's kind of this uh, image of uh, being part of the country where we come from, but also being part of this planet Earth uh, that uh, entails responsibilities uh, and rights.
1: You put very well, and and I think. so we, th- this would be part of uh, a new story, a, a new a new challenge, uh, a new direction. Um, so
0: you talked about the transition of culture and consciousness come when there is a huge crisis, yes. when there is a good leadership, um, honest, ethical leadership. And could we say what do you think about the role of education in tra- in helping this transition towards a new culture and? Culture, consciousness.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree that that is so important and it can be both informal education as well as formal education. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, in effect need to go back and learn some things that they missed the first time, uh, including me. Um, but I think um, education and... Uh, uh, and, and, and to, Maybe a new
0: kind of education, right?
1: Well, that would be very... Planetary
0: edu- citizenship
1: education. Yep. Exactly. Another thing, of course, is um, religions. I think world religions can play a huge role in in driving a value change. Uh, And we're seeing more and more uh, religious leaders stepping up to to the plate and addressing these these bigger issues of of cultural transformation. Um, Social movements can be very important uh, because social movements really are, at their core, consciousness raising events and they drive they make people think and uh, whether they accomplish exactly what they set out to do they always make us think and make us wonder why this is happening what's going on and we can see this uh certainly in the u.s with uh the revival of the uh, of the civil rights movement uh today occasioned by all of the police brutality and things and and movements around the world uh and you know, people are in the streets a lot, and that's where they should be. Uh, I'm, I'm a great believer in peaceful uh, demonstrations and sure. peaceful uh, civil disobedience, if uh, if needed. Um, mm-hmm. And then, lastly, uh, the um, another source of, of, of value change uh, can be um, uh, the, 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 the popping up of models that inspire us. I mean, in lots of localities around the world, things are happening. People are developing innovative ways of doing things, uh, and uh, good I,
0: examples, good practices. Do you
1: mean? Yes, good practices, uh, best practices, really. For uh, you know, in lots of uh, we may be dominated by big agribusiness, but there are a lot of things going on in, in, in smaller farms around the world today regenerative agriculture uh, and other you know organics and other things that are taking you know making a real impact um, and um, you know we'll have to move uh, away from uh, some uh, a diet that's so so much based on on animal uh, animals and and, and uh, meat consumption um, Sure. So there are a lot of and there are a lot of ways to do these, these things a lot of models uh, uh, different types of enterprises of business enterprises that are
0: probably open. there are a lot of models but we need to give more visibility to those good stories good practice models yes
1: there are some you know there are some good websites that try to do that but but still it it, it really is invisible to a lot of uh, a lot of people we don't we, we're the great things are happening but but not that the people, it's mostly known by the people who are doing them. Uh, totally so, uh, so if you put this package together of things, you know, which, uh, uh I did in, 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 one of my books, uh, America of the possible, um, you know, I, I, showed how these, these various factors could interact to drive value change and cultural change and transformation. Um, and uh, I, I even wrote a poem about it, but uh, mm. it, my, I started writing poetry books now. And I about uh, in my second book of poems, I wrote a poem about this, so it's <laughs> uh, wonderful. Anyhow, yeah, through um, the
0: arts. it's another way of getting to people's uh, heart and mind. Mm,
1: uh, through I the think we've got to do a lot more of the heart, heart. Mm. yeah.
0: Okay, so now in 2008. Uh, You published another book uh, called The Bridge at the Edge of the World, Capitalism, the Environment, and Crossing from Crisis to Sustainability. In that book, uh, you call for a new consciousness and a new worldview, and you also talk about seed dates of change. What are these? Could you share um, or give us uh, a gist of your ideas in that book?
1: Well, I guess the place to start, uh, since we started with the environment. And if you ask people today, what is an environmental issue? They're likely to say climate or biodiversity loss, air pollution. Um, but what if the, what if an environmental issue or is anything that is impeding or stopping environmental progress? Those should be environmental issues too, right? And if you look, if you, if you answer that question, well, then you get into a, um, a series of, uh, of deeper issues about the way our, our economy works and our politics work. Ooh. Because if you have a politics that's dominated by money, dominated by giant corporations, the most powerful actors in the political system are corporations. If, if your democracy is dominated by corporations and money, well, you're not going to make a lot of environmental progress. If people are being deprived of opportunities to have a decent livelihood and are scared to death about losing jobs and, and uh, being uh, uh, further marginalized, well, they're not likely to be thinking a lot about global climate change unless they have to. So this vast social injustice in the society is a clear impediment to environmental uh, action and progress. Um, when you, I hear
0: you talk about that, it came to my mind, an environmental problem is our own mindset.
1: Yes. Well, I was going to mention exactly that. I mean, if in fact, you, uh, you know, your you're, you're, you're public discourse is dominated by uh, issues of, uh, of growth and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and we're constantly overwhelmed with, uh, uh, advertisements. I mean, we forget how, how, how saturated our societies are with advertisements. And it wasn't that long ago that in the U.S. there were some restrictions on advertising. For example, you couldn't really direct advertising at children. Now it's just huge. I mean, every, uh, uh, it's and, what they uh, do the
0: most—the children are big targets. No? Big For targets. And,
1: uh, you know, they've been. So I think um, the um, the these these deeper issues of uh, justice, uh, of, of of power, and um, uh, and, and our own uh, bad habits are real impediments. For example, environmental groups in the U.S rarely talk about consumerism. They rarely talk about uh, changing, uh, uh, you know, attacking corporate power. They r- rarely talk about, um, you know, issues of justice, even though they might acknowledge that they're serious problems. Uh, they just don't address them and it's not part of environmentalism as, as we know it. I think that situation is better in many places around the world than it is in the u.s and, and maybe in europe uh yes, certainly
0: uh, in latin america i think we see a lot of social environmental problems very linked you know, in a linked. more systemic yes, it's integrated different.
1: way it's, it's beginning to change here in the u.s i would say uh but it's uh it's it's not nearly where it ought to be so these are the when in the book that you mentioned i looked at these issues of, of deeper change and um and the uh and we've we've done uh, another book actually um, that we just got out uh, and it's called um, the New Systems Reader and it's about it has twenty eight essays in it about alternative political economy uh, systems that um, would achieve much better results on in general uh, than the one we have now uh, of course you know, for a lot of people, it's pretty radical stuff and they, they think it's, um, uh, uh socialism or something else, but it's, uh, you, you have to look at these changes individually and, um, uh, and we need, a you know, we need alternative measures of progress. Um, we need more democratic control of investment decisions. It's all now the banks and the big companies. Um, you know, we need, uh, uh greater uh uh, forms of uh uh, bigger forms and big more companies that are run by workers and co-ops of different types and so there's a lot of changes that uh that that are needed if we're going to deal in the long run uh with these great challenges and the um the types of um uh the eightfold way things that i mentioned uh in a way at the outset those could be viewed as Uh, as the initial steps, the things that need to be uh, addressed and, and accomplished. uh, And, uh, but the things that I've been talking about most recently can be thought of system change issues, Mm -hmm. and they're going to take longer, and they're going to be harder, but they are just as necessary. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Walk on two legs, so to speak.
0: Mm. And we certainly need to advance uh the transition to sustainability and press the accelerator to move faster towards that transition.
1: Well, the speed is a a big issue because, uh, Mm. you know, when the slow speed is a big issue. Uh, When I started working on these issues, I was really introduced to the climate issue when I was in government in 1979. So over 40 years ago, scientists came to me when I was in government and said, you have to do something about the climate issue. 40 years ago, and we, we took it to the president and we got a lot of newspaper coverage on it back then, There were reports flying around uh, calling for action. Well, that was in the Carter administration. And um, you, know, you know how much has happened, I would say not happened uh, in the f- ensuing 40 years. So now, you know, whereas 40 years ago we had time to do the thing right, if we, you know, did, but now we have no time. We're behind. We're way, way behind. And uh, so it's, uh, it's urgent. Now, these things that were once important are now urgent.
0: Absolutely. At the end of that book you published in 2008, you use a metaphor and um, it's a uh, you share a double metaphor you like to see if you can remember that but it's basically a metaphor of the bridge across the abyss uh, which uh, um, i would like to see if you can share with us what that, that means.
1: well i'd be happy to try uh...
0: <laughs> it's basically you said something about
1: uh, uh no, there are bees
0: that we can only be reached after we take the right path or something like that
1: yes well i think um well this, it, it's 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 simple enough i think uh i'm afraid that we are headed towards uh uh an abyss if you want to call it that and it's it's basically think of think of the climate issue i mean we're headed towards uh a, a, a huge uh, global problem of, of destabilization of food supplies, of, of living conditions, a loss of biodiversity and natural systems, uh, heat waves, storms, droughts. Uh, it, is, it is already beginning and it's, it's gonna be, uh, you know, uh, really uh, devastating uh, if we don't do the right things in an urgent way. And so the abyss is issues like climate change and I could talk about other things too, um, and the, the metaphor in the in the book was that there's there um, you know if if we if we we could find uh, a path around the this abyss rather than going into it and uh, and and but that involves taking up the kinds of things we've been talking about here today uh, you know with urgency and seriousness uh, because we're not on that path now. And we're headed towards a devastating situation across uh, many, uh, you know, social and environmental issues. Mm. Um, and I've used the climate issue because it's so pertinent and in, in some people's minds. Uh, but there are others, uh, and uh, there's just this vast injustice in the world that uh, that needs to be addressed with the same uh, kind of urgency. You can. Uh, you know, and, and the climate issue is going to impact on, on already very uh, deprived situations around the world. Um, and,
0: and it's so, uh, uh, there's such, such a, an idea of uh, intergenerational justice or injustice uh, around the issue of climate change. You know? So the generations okay. to come are the ones who are going to suffer the most.
1: Well, thank you for mentioning that because uh, it's a passion of mine. I've been involved with a group of um, young people here in the U.S. who have been suing the government, our federal government, for uh, claiming that they've been deprived of their constitutional rights by the failure of the federal government to act responsibly. And the federal government has not only not done anything much very positive to address the climate issue, but it's also done a lot to make it worse. And so uh, these 21 young people five years ago uh, sued the federal government to try to um, uh, get them, get the government's head straightened out and, and, put the, and help put the country on a right track. The suit goes on without resolution, I'm afraid, at this point. But this group, our Children's Trust, has done a great job of uh, representing young people uh, in legal processes to fight for their climate rights
0: well I think part of this new consciousness that we need to to raise is the consciousness with regards to our responsibility with future generations i think it, it's not there enough because not many people are aware of it we don't even think about what responsibility with future generation what does that mean like people do, our our eyesight uh, is not long enough in the horizon, no? so talking about in, intergenerational justice seems to be something very abstract for many.
1: Well, it became a, there was the people who made a small joke, uh, and it went it went like this: uh, future generations, what have they done for us?
0: It's wonderful. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you for sharing that. So, you have been involved in all of this for so many years, no? Yes. More than four, four day, 40 years, imagine. Have you changed anything in terms of your perspective in all of that over these years? And what do you think is the, the most urgent need for humanity to, to move in a more concerted effort uh, towards sustainability and climate action? Have you changed your your perspective? Yes,
1: well, no, I think um, I think my views have changed a great deal. Um, when we started out, uh, uh, for example, in in 1970, uh, with creating a, an environmental group, the Natural Resources Defense Council, uh, we, um, which is now very much a global organization, um, we, you know, we thought that um, we could get things done by. Working in Washington, mainly, uh, working uh, to implement existing laws that had uh, come on uh, been recently enacted, and it, you know, and we would get this job done pretty quickly in a way, and uh, we turned out to be really badly wrong, uh, and um, and and I've s- slowly evolved in my thinking over the period since then to the idea that uh, much. Deeper, more profound changes are needed in the in the, in, our, in our system of, of politics and our system of, of economics and uh, that we pride ourselves in so much, but it's not doing the job. And uh, so it's been a um, a process, I would say, of uh, of, of going for um, deeper change uh, in in my life. And and I think uh, I think now the the deeper, the deepest changes are the ones that we need to spend a lot more time and energy on. It's good that we have a lot of the traditional environmentalism going forward. Uh, uh, we need it badly right now to stop the U.S. from backsliding. Our current, you know, the Trump administration uh, has attempted to roll back over a hundred environmental rules, and uh, that's uh, uh, you know. So we, it's been a real important process of trying to prevent that from, from happening. And I'm sure things like that are going on in, in other countries too, uh, backsliding. Uh, but um, So that's important to keep, uh, keep fighting in the traditional ways, but we also need to find ways to, to drive a deeper change uh, so that we have a system uh, which is really, in, in which good results are natural, in which good mm-hmm. things happen easily and not with always... It shouldn't be. That's struggle. struggle.
0: Indeed, indeed. Now, our last question to you is, um, there is a famous sentence of yours that circulates in the internet, probably more than you think, because it actually circulates in different languages also. Uh, But it's it's a very interesting sentence, uh, and I think it got popularized, and, and you say I used to think the top environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that with uh, 30 years of good science, we could address those problems, but I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy, and to deal with those We need a spiritual and cultural transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. That's such a good sentence of yours that circulates around the various internets. And I would like you to comment on that. Actually, when when did you say that? Do you remember? Uh,
1: Well, it's an interesting story. I mean, the first, except for one word, the story, the, the, the paragraph that you read, and it is circulating around, uh, except for one word, it, it is accurate. I, I, I really, I said that, uh, and I meant it, and I still mean it. Uh, but it's got one word wrong. And let me clarify that, clarify that right away. I said, we lawyers and scientists don't know how to do that. And because I'm a lawyer, I'm not a scientist. I could never say we scientists. Uh, so anyhow, that uh, clarif- With putting that aside, it's a very accurate statement of my view. And um, but the mean, when
0: when was the occasion you well, said that? This,
1: this is an interesting part. I um, I've written all these books, and I expect everybody in the world to be reading them and quoting from them. But no. What they everyone is reading and quoting is a statement I made at a small conference. And one of the people there took it, wrote it down, and quoted it in a book that he wrote. So it's in somebody else's book. It's not even in my own books. However, I did write a poem about it. You want me to read you the poem? Yes, sure.
0: I think that's so interesting because people are really circulating that paragraph of yours because it's so inspiring and so much to the point.
1: Well, here, so thank
0: you for sharing the story. So, so here's
1: the here's the poem. But you're right. You're good to raise it, and thank you. Uh, it's good to be quoted, regardless, right? And but it's just too bad they got it a little bit wrong. Um, the poem is called "New Consciousness." Decades of discourse led by people like me, lawyers, scientists, economists, and we are stuck. They can't do what must be done, which is to reach the human heart. The deep problems are avarice, arrogance, and apathy. Dominant values, badly astray. What we need is not more analysis, but a spiritual awakening to a new consciousness. So let's bring on the preachers and the prophets, the poets and the philosophers, the psychologists and the psychiatrists. Let's bring on the writers, the musicians, actors and artists. Call them to strike the chords of our shared humanity, of our close kin to wild things. <laughs>
0: this is really wonderful. Thank well, you so much.
1: It might be a good note to end on.
0: Absolutely, it is.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank you for all the work you have done and what you have been doing uh, to help us in this cultural shift in the awakening of a new consciousness uh, for humanity. I think you have done a, a great contribution.
1: Well, I wish it were bigger. <laughs> mm. we, 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 uh, we keep trying. That's about... What we can do, right? You just gotta keep have to keep trying.
0: May I ask just one more question about your own ethical dilemma. You took so many leadership positions in UNDP, WRI, and others. Probably you remember some difficult decisions and, and really ethical dilemmas you had to deal with.
1: Oh, I think the hardest issues are always personnel issues. I mean you know uh i uh i don't um I think I learned a lot about human resources human management uh during my experiences sometimes I'm sure at other people's expense um, and um but uh that was um the, the, uh, and i think um you know another thing is you know, it's not is obvious, but it creeps up on you, is that when you're in a position, you tend to play the role that is created by the, all the circumstances around you. And we all try to do well and succeed, but it usually is success within the context in which we're operating. Uh, And you know i think uh looking back on, on on my life if i had had more opportunities or i had taken more opportunities to step back and question the system i was working in uh i i i it would have been better uh i don't am not sure i would have been made any difference but it would have i would uh i'd feel better about it now uh, so i think that's, that's something we all have to to be conscious of uh we're we're usually called upon to, you know, succeed and do well in certain ways. And uh, it also it's also a cautionary note about what types of jobs to take, uh, because you don't want to put yourself in a position, uh, you know, where you are, are constantly having to do things you really don't like or don't approve of. Uh, and I, um, I see uh, so many people in government in that position uh, from time to time.
0: Mm, I think this is a good advice for the new generation of young people who want to be ethical leaders, and taking your advice in terms of uh, having that room of liberty to take a step back and sometimes question uh, yeah. where we are. And well, I'd like is, to think
1: the younger generation is doing... doing Uh, doing more of that than than my generation did. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Gus, for your time and for sharing with us so much of your wisdom.
1: It's been great talking to you and I've had a fun time. Thank you for letting me sound off.
0: If you like this episode, please share it and support our movement by making a donation. This podcast is developed by Earth Charter International. As part of our work, as UNESCO Chair on Education for Sustainable Development with the Earth Charter. For more information, visit our website at earthcharter.org.